So I have like at any point I have hundreds, right? Like hundreds of shirts, none of which I've paid for pretty much because right. of touring, right? So I have, but because of texture, because of the way it looks, because of the way it fits, and since I'm so like, you know, I'm the t- like from week to week I can be like ten different pounds, and that. <laughs> makes me feel a lot different about myself. So there are some shirts in my collection that are really only for good weeks. Right. There's plenty that are for like whatever weeks. I happen to be in like a a heavier cycle here for a few months. <laughs> and I don't have a lot of shirts in this rotation. You know? <laughs> oh, that explains the dinosaur junior so. Yeah, so this is I know you thought it might have been an innocuous question, but you'd be surprised how much thought actually goes into this. And watching me put on a shirt, take off a shirt, put on another shirt. I do it all the time. I'll put on like three or four shirts. I'll be like, all right, just back to Dinosaur Jr. again. It's fine. <laughs> the shirt's good. Hey, it's And a- it's not that soft yet, so I'm in the process of like softening it up. And I think in like a year or two, this is going to be a real, a real peach, right. you know? Yeah, well, yeah. you know, you're talking to the guy who has ha- opened my drawer. It's half black T-shirts, half white T-shirts. Yeah. Black Calvin Klein's, white Calvin Klein's. See, it's smart, though. It's like I do appreciate – it's the Albert Einstein method, you know? He said that he was so – you know, he didn't have time to think about right. clothes right. like because of everything else. So he just had a uniform. He had like three or four of the same thing right. that he just put on every day. It's a smart I kind of move. appreciate that. Like, I wish I could sort of just like get away with it. Oh, I've al- you know? I've always been jealous of like the Andrew WKs who are like, yeah, could wear the same exact thing. It became their uniform, but it doesn't work with everything, you know. That's where I wear black jeans every day. Yeah. So being black jeans, black T-shirt guy every day is a little exhausting. <laughs> I feel like. You're like the goth guy from like Grandma's Boy or like something. Uh, I just I've definitely em- embraced dadhood. I I actually bought a couple of like short sleeve button shirts that are like you know like the like the barbecue shirts like kind of yeah pl- not plaid but you know like there's one here somewhere anyway like like Tommy Bahama kind of shirt yeah kind of like that yeah so next is a fucking fedora for yeah, you. whatever dude I've always Tommy Bahama I've never fedora, been embarrassed to to dress those up. little pastel <laughs> mini shorts I've never been I've never been embarrassed to be a, a cartoon character <laughs> you, you're gonna be a fucking Vineyard Vines look at, ad look at this hair dude you should have seen what I woke up with this morning I'm Johnny fro. Cape Cod. <laughs> <laughs> So you're gonna the Cape. You're just gonna show up next week with the Cape Cod look. <laughs> I had a funny thing in the shower this morning. You want to hear about uh, it? I don't. Is this appropriate for our uh, listeners, Benny? Yeah, I actually saw our <laughs> demographics the other day. We're uh, we're trending. We we don't have a lot of um, minors listening okay. to the program, so I think we're okay actually. Um, but sometimes, you know, especially these days. The shower can be sometimes the only disconnection from like everything when you're actually just thinking about random shit. Oh yeah. And I've been finding like the last week or two, I'll be having this I have an ongoing thought about like how lucky I am to be able to take a hot shower in the morning. Right. You know what I mean? And I think about that on like the scale of the world and like then I'm like, how many humans just in the scale of time have like 
lived to be 40 years old, been able to wake up and take a hot shower and then have some machine cooling their house the entire day so you don't even have to deal with this 100 degree heat. Yeah. You know, and I feel that. And I'm like, but the modern age, my instinct is to be like, oh, I should frame a tweet. <laughs> you know, and get this out there because this is like positive <laughs> and good. And sometimes I'll like get right out of the shower and I'll like start writing on my phone and I'm like, and I'm always like halfway in and I'm like, this is the dumbest. Like, get the fuck out of here with that. Like, this, this like 16 year old wisdom you're about to put on Twitter. Like, if you're my age and you don't know you're lucky to have that, like, the fuck's wrong with you anyway? But, and then I never post it. It, but it I'm effectively I'm effectively ruining my disconnection from electronics by in my head every single solitary thought being that it can be framed into some social media thing. It's like this weird box you just get in, you know? Right. You gotta get out of this box. Right. It is a shitty box because it is. It's weird. It totally just changes your whole frame of thinking, you know? Well, well yeah, I mean, when when you do what we're doing, you don't have to. You don't have to fall into this social media fucking trap. But except when you're trying to do what we're doing, and right now, this yeah. is how we like. This is how we advertise we be, our product. And so we're back to being sluts. <laughs> you gotta be sluts. I really enjoyed that brief era of Gaslight Anthem when, like, I didn't have to do anything. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, yeah, Records yeah, yeah. were coming out. They're going to sell. There's whole teams doing this shit. Right. And social media was just purely like fun zone for me. I had nothing real to do on there. Right. You know? Now I got to be a slut again. <laughs> well, I don't, I don't like it. I mean, I remember talking to somebody once about touring, and it was one of these people who, like, kind of, you know, they weren't really, it was, a, I can't remember who it was, somebody in a band, and they were kind of bitching about touring, you know, it seems like you fall into, like, two camps, right, in bands. It's like yeah. People that do it because they know they have to do it, and then people who love it, and I used to love it, and I was right. like, you know what I love about touring? It's the only fucking time in my life that it's so, my life is simple. It's like, it's pared yes. down to three things. It's like, get to the show, play a great show, get some rest. It's like, that's literally the only three things you have to think about when yeah. you're on tour. Like, there's yeah. nothing else to think about. There's other people, like, even thinking about, like, where you might get some food or whatever. Sure. Like, you really Every just, step. like, those are the three things. And it's so simple. And I just used to love it. And I'd come back off the road. I'd be like, oh, I got to pay my fucking Con Ed bill. And you know yeah. what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah. Life. It's true. It's totally, it's such a different thing. I remember hearing uh, in a Metallica documentary that Kirk Hammett, like came home, he was like 20 years old when they started, right. was out on the road for like a year, and he's like, I didn't even know how to like take out the trash. <laughs> you know? Like just these basic functions of life that you lose. Dude, you I know? know somebody that toured with them, and they had two road cases that had a washer and a dryer in them. Oh, dude, I've, I have experience with that. Metallica like tours with like a camp, a campground. Right. You know? Like <laughs> We played a festival with them once and, you know, you try to go online and there's the festival router, there's the Metallica router. Oh, no way. They got their own Wi-Fi. They got a section of the whole backstage compound. It's just theirs with their private security. Their town. And, and tons of people coming in and out, right. you know, like, like, like maybe 50 people as part of this crew. Got their own food back there. So, you know, I'd seen that before. It wasn't the biggest surprise, but... About an hour before they played, I was like, do I hear Metallica? 
I'm like, what the fuck is going on? Like, and everybody starts popping out of their backstage rooms, like with their ears up. And it's Metallica with a full setup in the backstage, like a warming up for the show. (laughs) Yeah. And they're playing ripper songs. They've got like a club. They warm up in the club before they go on stage. Yeah. I mean, not for like us to watch, but for us to hear, you know? So all of a sudden I'm in like the backstage having a, you know, where I'm probably in Germany, I'm having a Yeever or something. (laughs) And uh, yeah, and all of a sudden I hear like, like, you know, battery or like something dope. And I'm like, what? That's so brilliant. And then you saw like a bunch of hip rock star types, like all get uncool because we're all like listening to Metallica warm up in the backstage and (laughs) nobody doesn't think it's cool. You know, it's like, (laughs) that's just awesome. Yeah. That was uh, funny, man. That shit's, that shit's crazy the way people tour. But that's why it's been nice to get back in the van with Mercy Union because, like, there is such a huge difference between van and bus touring. And that that is the difference, is that, like, in van touring, you're still, like, totally in control of your own life. Right. And it's kind of this bizarre pirate democracy of, like, people making random decisions about where you're going to eat, where you're going to stay, how far are you going to drive after the show? Who's going to drive? Right. You know, there's got to be this like unit thing going on. And then on top of that, you're not sleeping on the bus. You're like waking up, you know, in Tennessee on somebody's floor. <laughs> and then you spend the morning with like their kids. And you're right. like, you know, like that's a lot different than the Radisson, right. you know, getting sh- some eggs by myself and like just walking back out to the bus. So, the sheltered, air-conditioned environment. Of yeah, you know, it's got a huge bus. upside. I'm not going to talk shit about it. It's comfortable. But yeah, it's, it's very like, isolating. Yeah, yeah, but it's isolating. It, it really is. Like you can, you can really just go into your own thing. And van touring, you don't have a choice but to just be out there in the world with everything going on, you know? <laughs> well, it's funny. Remember we were talking about Boston's in the last uh the last podcast and Dickie, when we were touring with the, with those guys, he a couple of times he would ride with us. They had a bus, we had a big, we had a pretty comfy, comfy van. But um, and Dickie, like at one point, he got in. He's like, "You guys, this is great. I don't know. This, I wish we had this back in the day." Yeah, he's like, right, right. "We had, we had, you know, we had seven guys plus two crew in one van." He goes, I, "He goes, you know what the 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 best position was? You laid on the floor." Like, like with going like you know verti- hor- vertically to the seats, like, <laughs> right? So stretching yeah, yeah. under like three seats, sure. he's like, that's the Been only there. way you could stretch out. <laughs> <laughs> I've definitely done that shit. I've definitely slept in like wheel wells. And, <laughs> yeah, wherever, man, wherever you can find that wherever room, you can fit. One of the, the first touring setup I had with my band, The Low End Theory, was my singer Paul's. Uh, Jeep Grand Cherokee. Oh God! With a homemade wooden trailer on the back that him and somebody <laughs> else they made. They made their own trailer. To their credit, thing was dope and it was roadworthy. Didn't fall like, apart, really? No, not at all. Honestly, like they knew what they were doing. Paulie's a very utilitarian guy, but it was five people in a Jeep Grand Cherokee. Dude. So you know the back is just three lined up, right. and we're doing overnight drives and shit. And that that was pretty miserable. I remember like adapting a style where I would like put my head where the headrest is with my ass out, <laughs> you know, kind of like on all fours, basically that just put my head on something and like <laughs> sleep for like two minutes until I fell over and oh, then like dude. go back. The you know? first tour I ever did was with the devil dogs and it was two bands in one van. So there's seven people in a van and all of our gear for both of us, no trailer. 
Yeah. And my position was my ass would go on the wheel well up against the wall of the van and there was a snare drum behind it that I could lay my back over so that I was like over like two humps and I would fucking, I would almost sleep there. Yeah. That was my position because it was so fucking uncomfortable and, and cramped Oops. otherwise. You just make do. <laughs> Alex Rosamelia from Gaslight was funny. He would like, he would just find like any corner in any place. He would sleep in closets. Yeah, dude. He used to just sleep like on chairs. He was, I'm like, I'll, I'll fight for, if there's a bed, like I'm putting my name in for it, you know, like always. But that's, it's, tra- it's like basic training. It's like the army. You got to learn to sleep wherever the fuck you can or else yeah. you'll die. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's the first I remember, rule. I remember one time it was a killing gift tour and we slept at some party house in like Tennessee. And it was one of those nights where, I, you know, I probably got a little drunk or something, a little high. And, uh, and I just like rolled my sleeping bag out in a room where I found space and went to sleep. And I woke up just on like a sea of fucking cat shit. <laughs> like just under my sleep. I had no idea. I walked into a dark room and just sat down, you know. Oh, I was like, oh, motherfucker. Sucks, dude. Yeah. Sucks. But I don't think any of the cat shit actually touched my body. So <laughs> got away with it in a way. I don't know. Oof. Bad. But so. War on women. Yes. <laughs> Nothing to do with anything we've said so far, except they've definitely done some touring. So Yeah, I mean, that's, to... yeah, I, I, I haven't known, I, I don't think I've ever even met Shauna, but I know Sue from back in the day. She's an old school New Brunswick punk, was in great bands, definitely knows the ways of the road and yeah. what's going on. Like <laughs> She's hip to it for sure. Um yeah, they know what's up, man. What a good band. What a fun interview. Oh, such a refreshing interview for sure. Yeah, it really was. I was happy to have him on. Yeah, should we should we get into it or yeah. should we do some more fluffing? I got nothing else to say. Okay, <laughs> all right. <laughs> You know, I couldn't have made it look nice because that's not the kind of stuff I do. Right, right. I just was going to make it as ugly as possible but functional. But then I I was like, I should check that this doesn't already exist after I've been working on it for three days. Yeah, I didn't (laughs) I didn't check into it till after the pandemic started and we had to go remote. And um, and then I found out like I've been monkeying around with it, just trying to see what the alternatives are. And I guess that this feature is not. They based. They just put a shell on like an existing tech that that that, that Chrome and Firefox both have, which is to record files locally. God damn it! <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know what? See, this is why I'm not a web developer because like there's all this shit I don't know, and I don't even know that I don't know it. You know? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> whatever. I'm usually worried about Brad getting into like nerdy <laughs> engineering stuff. Like like we recorded Brian McTernan last week, and I'm like, oh no, Brad's gonna talk about. <laughs> you know, uh, vocal edits (laughs) and, you know, coning the track and like some bullshit like that. And then we start this and I'm in a fucking IT meeting. It's even worse. (laughs) I love it. Yeah. Do you guys want me to leave? Do you want some privacy? I'm sorry. You guys need like 15 here? This is my my revenge for Benny's sports talk. Benny always takes it to baseball. Oh, good. He deserves it then. Okay, go ahead. (laughs) Brad, I've been easy with you. I've been taking it easy lately. I don't think I've brought up sports in an interview in ages. I know you don't like it. Our our guests have been of such a high quality with so much to say that you have not been able to Get in there. <laughs> I know. I've been trying to get Spike Lee, but he just he just won't come on, you know? <laughs> He's like, who the fuck are these uh, guys? Yeah, you guys could do a whole sports podcast. 
So, Sue, Shauna, what's up? <laughs> Hi. What's up? Thanks for coming. Thanks for having us. What's going Hi. on? Where are you? We're both in Baltimore, right? Well, I am in my I am in my my home in Baltimore. Yeah. Uh, and I am sitting at my my desk where I like live now. I guess okay. because um, I don't know when I'm like done working ever. <laughs> <You know? laughs> uh, and, anyway. and for reference, we already referenced your nerdiness. But what exactly <laughs> kind of nerd shit do you do? Uh, I'm a let's let's say a data scientist. Wow. Let's, let's just say that Whoa. I'm doing work on COVID nineteen <laughs> contact tracing right now. Whoa. Oh really? Yay. That's, that's not what I usually do. Usually, I do like astronomy stuff and um, uh, other shit like that. But uh, but 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 right now, um, uh, we're, I'm using some of the th- ways that we would like search for stars in the universe to like you know search for huh. people that have COVID nineteen. <laughs> so are you literally like writing programming for for the ways to track this stuff? Uh, I'm writing programs to try to analyze the data. Oh wow! Huh. Uh, and I'm not, to- and I'm totally not good at it because I. This is like uh, not <laughs> the type of thing I normally do. Anyway, uh, whatever. You have to start somewhere, right? I mean, that's kind of fascinating, right off, just analyzing the data. Because I mean, that seems what half the problem is 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 people reading, you know, the same information and taking two different things from it. Yeah, um, yeah, totally. So I like can my, imagine it's kind of like a brave new world what you're what you're doing. Uh, yeah, and and I don't know, just like there's a lot of data, and uh, you know, when when the size of the data is the problem, you know what I mean? That's like where I come in. I don't know. Right. You know? right, right. <laughs> no, it makes sense. Well, at least you're doing uh, something. We're just doing a podcast. <laughs> yeah, well, we're trying to keep people's minds off it so they can just like you know, get sick and die a little nicer Aww. and you're actually, you're actually doing something. So good, good for you. Oh man. It, 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 my brain hurts like all the time though, you guys, it's like, uh, I don't know. I know it's important, but it's like not that fun. Well, I saw the Ambien you gave me in Germany. If you want it back. Oh my God. Yeah. Yeah, I do actually. Yeah. Send, that, send that, send that to me immediately. I mean, it might take a few weeks to get, but maybe it's still worth doing. Yeah, I think I, so. I think so. Yeah. And what about you, Shauna? You're in Baltimore as well? Yeah, in Baltimore. I'm about two blocks from Sue, but oh, I have cool. not seen her in person right. for a while. Um, I'm, to make it serious, to keep it serious, I, I am currently working on a grant project that uh, basically where I train uh, people that work with alcohol to recognize and prevent sexual violence. Oh, wow. So also heavy stuff wow. <laughs> right now. Um, also, like really bad timing. This project, uh, right. I, I, this grant was available. It's 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 only for this time. I was kind of like, uh, what am I going to do for money? Mm-hmm. Oh, cool. There's this grant that sort of applies to what I normally do. I'll apply, and I and I got it. But I'm basically like all today. I've been calling restaurants, bars, venues, <laughs> saying, "Hi, do you want a free training so you can prevent sexual assault?" And they're like, "Do you want to order a sandwich or not? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> we need your money. Like yeah. they don't." care and I don't blame them, but I have to do it. I have yeah. to show the hours that at least I tried. So oh, if wow. anyone in Maryland wants this training, please reach out to me so I can train one person. You might have to relocate <laughs> to Mississippi or something right now if you yeah, want to work. Right? Yeah, right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, they're virtual, I'm, by the way, for safety. They're all virtual trainings. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But I mean, like you're dealing with something that involves essentially like some level of crowd control. To, to people with no crowds. Yes. Yeah. 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 
But um, you, should, you should call it like Ocean City, probably. I'm calling everybody, Sue. <laughs> yeah. I'm trying. <laughs> See, Ocean City though might be the last place that's interested in Shauna's work, from from what I <laughs> yeah, know. Of yeah, this exactly, place, exactly. <laughs> oh, I've been to Secrets. I know what goes on. <laughs> oh, what's that? <laughs> oh, Secrets is magical. It's the like the biggest, grossest bar at the beach you can uh-huh, imagine. Uh-huh, it's on yeah. the water. And yeah. some of the tables are in the water, and oh. they have a vegan burger, and that's the only reason I went there. Oh, okay. And they have like four or five different stages and like different bands and like DJs. Like really good cover bands play there. Like yeah, right. good cover bands. Um, that's where I picked up the line, Sue. Do you know how sometimes when we play uh, every now and again, I'll be like, uh, uh, who's getting laid tonight or something? <laughs> like, a guy was just like, all right, who's getting laid tonight? And everyone's like, woo. And then he's like, all right, this next one's for the troops. <laughs> it's like the weirdest, like, non sequitur ever. Um, but I love like- his <laughs> confidence. You know, I was like, yeah, just say what you want to say. Fuck it. Um, and also, Secrets is a place where, like, they make. They are sometimes the highest grossing bar in the United States of America. Wow. And they will literally take all their cash and put it in bags and put it on a boat and then immediately drive it to like the owner's house across the water where he has like a safe or what? something. It's oh my God. it's a wild place. Now, how did oh. you know that? Yeah. Because <laughs> now I'm concerned for you with that kind of information, actually. <laughs> That's some insider information, Sean. I got enough to worry about. I don't care about a random dude in Ocean City. But <laughs> I think I know this because Sue and I are in a band with a guy named Brooks who will yes. get obsessed with things sometimes and learn everything he possibly can <laughs> about one subject, whether you and he'll tell you all about it, whether you want him to or not. So that's why I know. And, and secrets and- secrets was one of those things. <laughs> oh yeah. That's amazing. That's amazing. I imagine like just some epic, epic version of some of these super cheesy Jersey Shore bars I know about. Yeah. But Secrets is such a, I mean, that's a, uh, that's an adult club name. (laughs) It does sound like that. You know, like, like you're You're supposed to have people named Charity and stuff working there. (laughs) They Um, probably, maybe like a waitress has a fake name tag that says Charity and her name is Rachel or something. Or maybe that's They're they're like, make it Charity. It sounds cool. Maybe it's the actual implicit. Maybe it's like the, uh, the secret menu at like in and out burger. Right. You know, you have to like, maybe there's like a back door to secrets where, you know, the next level stuff happens, the cash in hand. So I don't know if it helps you guys, but secrets is spelled S E A like the ocean. <laughs> it does help. Oh. You know what I mean? So it kind of sounds know. less like a den of iniquity and more like a cheesy <laughs> bar at the beach. <laughs> yes. It, it just it quickly just took that turn. Yeah. I went from I went from uh, lap dances to lobster yeah. claws in, in, in just a couple minutes. <laughs> So as a band, are are you guys um, able to do anything or have you done anything or any plans to try to do anything in the next three, (laughs) six, nine months, decade? Well, we we actually the one the one thing that timing has ever been good for in this whole pandemic thing is we literally finished like tracking all the instruments for our new record. Like oh, the, cool. Like, like the week before everything shut down. Wow. Wow. And, yeah. uh, yeah, it was, it was, it was, it was a little tight, you know, <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> but we, you know, we, we got, we got everything done and, uh, I don't know. It sounds pretty dope. 
Yeah. I mean, yeah, the next phase was doing, was doing vocals where I'm literally in an isolation booth. So it was, it it worked out pretty well. I was definitely safe all by myself in there. How did you, um, how did you like that? Was it unorthodox for you? You used to, are you used to, or like a lot of people being around when you do that? Fuck no. Are you kidding? (laughs) I don't know one vocalist that wants a bunch of people in the room (laughs) nitpicking every little thing. Like it is such a vulnerable, process for me i know i've talked to other people that's saying too it's just so much different than you know like when i used to play guitar in bands and i'd record you can tune a guitar you know like you can be like oh yeah that's out of tune let me fix that okay here we go you know but like no matter how much you practice vocals like there's so many other factors just like air quality how much water you've had how much wine you've had the night before you know sure. whatever and you can't always predict it and also you're doing it's like a marathon you're you're supposed you're trying to sing like for 6 hours straight and make it all perfect like yeah. no fucking way so no it's a very private affair um <laughs> and uh but but it went really smoothly and um uh the only thing we've really done is a couple like acoustic performances um, like to fundraise. Um, but I, I feel like as a band, like Sue, tell me if I'm wrong, but you know, we have pretty high standards of how we want to sound or a specific idea of how we want to sound Sure. and to kind of like half ass it and not really like be as loud as we want or, or mixed well on the fly. Um, I, I don't think we want to do a performance. that's like just okay. Right. And so that kind of prevents us from doing a performance that's just okay, just for the sake of doing it. And of especially because one of our guitar players, Jen Arkey, lives in fucking Florida. So <laughs> okay. we can't all get in the same room, even if it was safe right yeah. now. Yeah, you know? yeah, yeah. So, for sure. Um, it's a weird situation. And I personally uh, have always been um, pretty conservative with taking care of my health. You okay. know? Like... I was never the kid that climbed trees, right? <laughs> right. I did rollerblade and I would wear like, you know, a helmet and like elbow pads and stuff. <laughs> so what's but, the uh, what's the adult equivalent of that? How does that That means carry like over? if I'm not comfortable getting in a van with my bandmates, even if they've been isolating too, then I'm definitely not comfortable going on a tour or yes. playing a show. I right? see. Yeah. And that's kind of how I'm looking at it. And everyone has a different line or boundary or whatever. And yeah. that's cool. But, you know, without, um, you know, I don't want to say who or, or, or give anything away, but there is someone in our band that's uh, slightly immunocompromised. And so it's just kind of not worth the risk. Yeah, totally. I just yeah. don't want to put us or, or anyone that likes our band at risk. It's not worth it. Yeah, it makes total sense. Um, you know, it's, it's funny, like, uh, like the begin, like back in March, right? I was like trying to come to come to terms with having to like become a germaphobe in a very short amount of time. Yeah, because I've uh-huh. I've never ever been somebody that's like you know worried about that. I don't know. It's just like you know not something that's like uh, you know I don't care that much. You know, <laughs> did you get sick a lot? No, 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 no. Oh, you're just like um, super strong immune system. Okay. I, I, I guess so. But you know what I mean? It's, and it's like, but I, but I really, you know, that people have different levels of comfort with that stuff, you know? Um, and uh, like, but now I'm like, ah, hand sanitizer, give me it. You know? <laughs> <laughs> like, I didn't, you really give a fuck about that before? Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, I was almost, I was almost like anti-hand sanitizer. I was like the, yeah. 
like, yeah, I eat food off the fucking floor. That's like why I don't get <laughs> yeah. sick. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like that was almost like <laughs> Kinda, my whole yeah. vibe. It was like exposure therapy, I thought. You know, well, I guess I was fucking wrong. Or, or maybe I was right. Maybe I set myself up well, you know, like uh, I'm not really sure. Yeah. See, bed. eating food off the floor is why I would get sick. So you just got to know your body. <laughs> yeah. That's it. That's it. So I was wondering, I mean, especially in this instance, like, you know, the the things you sing about are, are usually a very, you know, serious tone. It's not jokey stuff. You usually deliver it in a very emotional way. How do you get yourself like worked up enough to kind of deliver it that way in like an isolated setting? Um, that's interesting. Like, like you mean like these acoustic shows? No, no. I just or... mean in general tracking, like when, when you're mm. doing a record, like, you know, it's, it's one of the things I've always wondered when you hear just this intense vocal performance on something and realizing that somebody was sitting like normally alone in an isolated room yeah. while they delivered yeah, it. Like, yeah, yeah. Is there anything like you do to your your own head, your own heart, your own disposition at the time to kind of get the most out of yourself in that? I think at least, you know, at least with this band, um, when we record an album, the songs are mostly like pretty fresh and we right. haven't really played them in front of an audience before. And so just the newness of writing about a subject that I'm angry about or passionate about mm. is enough to be like, like in a way I'm almost like just getting ready for the live show. Like, I which see. to me is like the end all be all. Like right. that's why I'm in a band is to play live. Like I have to make a record. Fine. I'll do it. You know, but I'm just kind of imagining like how it would be in front of other people or mm. how do I express what the song is about? Um, other than just the words. I see. And that's enough. But yeah, I just it's just still fresh. That's awesome. Speaking of which, I know you guys did some shows opening for the the mighty jawbreaker, right? <laughs> um, yeah. How, how did how did that come about and how did how did that go for you guys? Or for y'all, sorry. I think oh, it came about it <laughs> um, <laughs> um yeah, we all basically passed out uh from happiness. <laughs> right, yeah. uh, but uh you know, Blake knows uh Jay Robbins uh right. for has known Jay Robbins for a long time and we record our albums with Jay Robbins and at Magpie Cage and uh our guitar player Brooks plays in the Jay Robbins band and and has played in other projects that he's been in. Um and so, you know, you just kind of start to know people, sort of, right. uh, through other people. And I think, like, Blake and Brooks uh, formed a friendship of some kind. And and I don't know, like, at some point, yeah, they asked if we wanted to open. And we were kind of kind of floored. Well, um, well there was that festival first, oh, that's right. remember? And, yeah. oh, gosh, it was, like, in, in New York in New York or at the Shore, Asbury Park. I don't yeah. know. Yeah. God, what was it? Uh, I don't, yeah, I think I don't, like in Jersey. Yeah. Was it that? Yeah, maybe surf and skate or something. Did they no, play that? No, there was supposed to be like a hurricane or something. Oh yeah, the sea here now. That one. Maybe I don't. I don't God, I don't remember. I'm bad at these. Yeah, yeah same. <laughs> but but like I was so it, it was then that was just going to be a one off, right? Right. But yeah. I was so unbelievably devastated. <laughs> like <laughs> I found out that it had gotten canceled. Yeah. That, I did not like allow myself to get the slightest bit excited I for this jawbreaker tour. Yeah. 
like oh right you were like i'll believe it when i see it yeah <laughs> like no, we were like totally. on stage and you're yeah. like okay we're on no, tour we walked into the first venue venue and i heard do 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 and i'm like wait okay maybe this is really happening it's real so that's the first time you allowed yourself to be pleased yeah you know man being being disappointed sucks Sue, why are you always waiting for the other shoe to drop, man? Yeah, man. It's just, it's just, it's just a defense mechanism, Benny. You know how it yeah. is. You've been listening to punk rock too long. Yeah, right? <laughs> it's not good for stuff like that. Yeah. So when we got into this, I, I did full Sue. I told her we were going to talk about the Orioles the whole time. Uh, but then I said, even better, we'll do the Ravens. But really, what just in general, as people who live... And, and breathe Baltimore to a certain point. What, what are we thinking about The Wire? Do we like The Wire? <laughs> uh, I, I quite enjoy The Wire. In fact, I'm like kind of like half, wit, half on and off like doing like a third rewatch of it. Okay. Like, you know, uh, right now. It's funny because I feel like, I feel like it's like very, very rewarding to like rewatch, you know? For sure. Um, and also like it's, it's very interesting to see uh, things like, for example, uh, the mayoral campaign of Thomas Carcetti, right? <laughs> mm-hmm. Where he is like doing the thing that like Democrats do, you know, <laughs> like the exact thing, yeah. right? Yeah, <laughs> like you know, um, like let's say, like his plan was, I need to split the b- black vote and be tough on crime. Yeah, you know, right. and and yet we were like rooting for him. In this, you know, in in, yes. in in that season, you know, but yes. but now I now I look back on it and I'm like, that's the whole damn problem, you know. But it, you know, that wasn't entirely clear to me because you know how you're like focused on what's going on and not sure. like the subtext, right? So well, it's, it's definitely kind of a show. It's a fictional show, right? But but uh, from what I heard from people that are you know born and bred Baltimore is that it's true and it's not true. Right. You know, like sure. it's real and it's not real. Sure. And I think as someone, uh, neither of us were, were born in Baltimore. Right. And so I, but we've been here a long time. And so I think it's easy for us to enjoy it as just great television and mm. have a little pride. And like, n- I haven't heard my whole life. Oh, the wire, you know, I'm just like, uh-huh. Yeah, it's good. Great. You know, <laughs> but it doesn't like bother me. I think what you said, Sue, is kind of the beautiful thing about the wire is like, you can, like you said, and maybe you've experienced this, you rewatch it again for the second, third time, and you kind of sit back at the end and realize there are no real good guys. Right, right. <laughs> Not, you know, like, like, and I like that that line is blurred between police and criminal and civilian and politician where everybody, everybody's got their hands dirty in that show. Yeah, somebody's, yeah. Fu- like, there's no pure character. Bunk, yeah. my bunk might be the closest because he's kind of <laughs> awesome. But what about what about my boyfriend uh, Pablo Schreiber as Mickey in season two? Though, oh God, you you just mentioned the one part of the wire that I fast forward, which is really? like the first four episodes of season two, and I'm like, who the fuck are these guys? They're kind of <laughs> annoying. 
Can I just get to the part where like the East Baltimore crew shows up? Yeah. Oh yeah, know, that's, you're talking about the dock workers. Yeah. yeah. The trusty oh my God, I, I don't care about that storyline at all. Yeah, it, it, it did nothing for me. I was like waiting for this to go. That's well, funny. that's okay. I don't think you're right. You know, but whatever. We can. We can. I think this is something reasonable people can disagree on. Absolutely. Yes, I'm comfortable <laughs> with the fact that we could disagree on it. But, you know, I'm thinking about The Wire, and then I did a quick, a quick Googles. And it is interesting, actually, the fact that, like, there are some really extreme sort of personalities that seem to have come out of Baltimore. And almost like people who are very uh, involved in one way or the other with things that are, like, super real. So let me go through this list and see if you can come up with a theme too, all right? It's quick. We got, okay. we got Tom Clancy, okay. Nancy Pelosi, next uh-huh. to John Bolton, next to Spiro Agnew, next to Thurgood Marshall. Okay, so that's kind of like a really strange political context right there coming out of Baltimore. Okay. And then you right. have, uh, you know, writers like Tanahisi Coates and Upton Sinclair, uh, you know, John Waters, who kind of tell the stories of like the very darker side of reality. And then mm-hmm. the musicians, you know, the most famous are probably Rick Ocasek and Frank Zappa, who also had this. So there is like there does seem to be this purveying theme of Baltimore where the people kind of recognize the darkness, like in a way, yeah. almost like in a London kind of way. Like, well, what, do, what do you think? I know you're not from there, but. What do you think it is about that town that gives that gives people this sensibility? Well, well I can uh, I, I I don't know. I think I can answer this, uh, but you know, Shonda probably has a different idea. She's lived she's lived all over too. I've lived like you know, kind of in most places on the East Coast. <laughs> you know, right, I, grew up, yeah. I grew up in Jersey, as you know, New Brunswick. Ray, you know, like moved to New York, and it was weird. Mm-hmm. But you know. <laughs> You know what it is. We all have to do it once, right? Yeah, we all have to do it. <laughs> yeah. Right. And then and then I moved to DC and I don't recommend that. Um <laughs> and uh and then I moved to Baltimore. but every but I lived in DC and I would go up to Baltimore for like shows every once in a while. Every t- and every time I would go up to Baltimore, I would have a really good time. Right. You know? Just something about the I don't know, the vibe of the place and the People seemed like just cooler, you know. And, yeah, yeah. And then, and then, you know, I was I was getting fed up with my stupid job in DC, so I was like, you know what, I'm gonna move to Baltimore. And I started, I, I basically applied for like every single job at Johns Hopkins University. Oh wow, <laughs> you know. And then I got one, so that was cool. So I moved up here, and you know, and it was like such a welcome change from living in DC, where uh, I thought people were kind of boring and just like, obsessed with their careers. Mm. Um. Where, uh, whereas, and like whether you could like help them in their career or something like <laughs> right, that. Right, right, Whereas in Baltimore, people, you know, it, it, I noticed right away one of the things I liked about it was that it, it seemed like people were like really interested in like doing something cool here now, mm. you know, like which, yeah. you know, like, and I don't know, like that's, that's like what I'm into, you know, so yeah, like, I don't sure. know. I just, uh, it's like really been the place that's felt like home for me. Um, like, like very, you know, I found the music scene like very welcoming, you know, and stuff. Uh, and like, I don't know, like it, 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 it's, it's probably like the closest to like, you know, my central Jersey hardcore life. You know? Yeah, it's a, <laughs> you know, it's a little salt, salt of the earth, maybe in that way. Yeah, and yeah, you, for sure. Do you just get like a six pack of 
natural bohemian just mail mm-hmm. to your house when you move there like like a uh. welcome to baltimore <laughs> present you wish so god no man you know what i did i did actually like i was i, w- I came late to like liking natty bow uh you know uh, i didn't i thought it didn't taste good at first i was wrong <laughs> it, yeah, it, it tastes fine it, it, it tastes t- like baltimore. it tastes fine it tastes, it tastes fine, fine. just right. drink it okay <laughs> god <laughs> Um, I I lived all over. I, I've moved all over. This is my first East Coast city, actually. Um, and so I think that I have more experience with like Southern hospitality and politeness being like kind of fake and passive aggressive. Right. And, yes. and also like things on the West Coast, like I lived in L.A., but um, things just being like slower and like, hey, man, we'll get to it. <laughs> or something. Right, right. And so like I've always really appreciated that anywhere on the East Coast there's a little bit of like a schedule or like all right, well, if you want to do something you better do it, you know, and I don't have to wait like 20 minutes yes. for like one coffee. Yes. Um, <laughs> and then there's none of that uh passive aggressive politeness. It's it's just very real. Yeah, and so if sure. people are being nice to you, then they're genuinely being nice, like but they don't have to. You know, right, and right, it's not right. a big deal. They're not being mean. Um, and and I, I Sue, kind of like you, I, I, when I got here, I was like, yeah, like there's so much art and culture and mm. and and music uh, being made by cool people. And how is it that everyone is doing that? I don't really know. I feel like some of it is, may, might be a few like privileged trust fund kind of folks that are able to uh-huh, do it, uh-huh. of course. But also the fact that, like, there's so much um, uh, inequality and oppression in this city, uh, dividing white people and everyone else, you know, mm-hmm. and there's so much struggle. And while I would much rather everyone have a livable wage and be able to eat and take care of their kids and not be over policed, um, sometimes out of struggle, you get something beautiful, too. And I think that's absolutely part of it. Like, we know that this city is not perfect. And so we're going to try to make something of our own. And and you can see that in, in every genre of music in this town. Yeah, that's awesome. And it's interesting you mentioned, like, what specifically, because when you mentioned the, the thing about the, the Southern hospitality or charm and the fact that, you, you know, eventually you kind of see through it. I, I lived in Nashville a couple times doing records. Oh, me too. Yeah, and, and that's... I. You know, my first like week or two in Nashville, I'm always like, oh, my God, I could get used to this. Like you just (laughs) walk around. You're like, wow, this feels good. Like everyone's smiling. Everyone's nice. Like everyone's opening doors and being polite. And then you have a couple like non-surface conversations and start getting into it and digging below the surface. And you realize, oh, like I'm really not welcome. (laughs) I certainly am not like embraced. I'm kind of just being duped right now. Like, like they have to say this because it's part of their culture, but they don't fucking mean this. And I'm like, wow. I want to go back to New York where someone's going to fucking tell me the truth. I cannot, I am terrible with, with like not seeing through like fake niceness. You know what I mean? Like, like if somebody is easily manipulated, no, I, I am Oh, completely. You know what I mean? Because I don't know. I'm like, oh, yeah, yeah, whatever. And like, you know, like, I just want like it, it to be true. You know, right. <laughs> yeah. you want to believe the good in everyone. Yeah, yeah you know, <laughs> but like, um, like nobody in New York is fake and nice to you. 
Like, you know, yeah. I mean, you know, not mm-hmm. really anyway. Even like my like friends from like, you know, Jersey and stuff, like we're not even like nice to each other half the time. No. <laughs> like, <laughs> like, 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 I don't know, like me and like my like, you know, like FID, for example, yeah. like we you- like... Uh, like uh, our whole f- friendship is co- is like perpetually ripping on each other. Yeah, you know. What well, I mean? that means and you love each other. It, <laughs> yeah, the, yeah. it would be exactly. the silence would, would would be if you didn't like each other. This is right, just right, how we right. communicate. <laughs> yeah. So speaking of Nashville, Shauna, I, I had read that you met Brooks in Nashville way back in like early two thousands or like two thousand three. Yeah. So how how did you all meet and and how did that? How'd you actually make that decision to come up to Baltimore and start a band? That's kind of a big thing. Yeah, I think it was 2001 or 2002. Um, And so I'd graduated from high school. My high school band that was like sort of big in Nashville at the time had fizzled out. Oh, so you went to high school in Nashville? Yeah, yeah. Oh, okay. Um, And... Because that was like my only band and it was like such a formative time, it took up such a huge part of my identity, right? Like mm. I didn't know who I was if sure. I wasn't in this band. Sure. Um, so I think one way for me to get get out of that or just shake things up enough and start over was to to move, to get out of town. And I had, you know, my mom was a bit of a free spirit, I say, and so we, <laughs> we moved around a lot. Okay. Um, and so I was very used to like, honestly, like th- there was an internal kind of alarm that would go off. That's like, Oh, it's been four years time to go. Yeah. You know, right. like it already sure. felt like I'd been there for way too long. Okay. And so I was, I was itching to go and I'm sure that, you know, that feeling certainly gets satisfied by touring a lot and war on women. And that's probably another reason why I've been in Baltimore so long. Like, I don't need to scratch that itch. But Gotcha, yeah. But I uh, I was playing solo at the time, acoustic, and, you know, just trying to figure out what I want to do next. And his band came through on town, and I was asked to open up the show. Um, and then at that night, I found out that they had actually asked if my old band could play the show. Oh, cool. What was his when band I- called at the time? At the time, it's it's three words, sand, which is. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> and they they made the rounds back in the early oh, 2000s, that is rough. late that, 90s. That so rough. there's might be some people out there that have heard of sand, which is. <laughs> um, and so, that, like, obviously my band had broken up. And, and so the promoter was like, well, Shauna can play solo. And, and they were like, yeah, that's great. And because they really liked my old band, they had heard of us and, and liked us. And, and so and what I was that band called? I'm sorry. That, my, my band was called Fair Verona. Okay. It's like mid to late 90s. Um, and so I played the show and, and um, we were talking and, and he told me we had met before at like Mac Rock. And I was like, if you say so, whatever, dude. Right. <laughs> and, um, and but then when they played, they were three piece. I, I heard guitar parts that weren't there. Oh. And I was like, this is it. This is my ticket. Oh, <laughs> like, I'm going to join this band. Huh. And when they were done, I was like, where do y'all live? <laughs> and <laughs> in Baltimore. Cool. I've never been to the East Coast. Want another guitar player? No and they shit. were like, actually, yeah, we've been talking about that. And I was like, okay, let's email. You heard of it? Email? So you actually willingly were putting yourself into a band called The Sandwich S? <laughs> well, the first thing we did <laughs> when I moved to Baltimore, I said, we're changing that name. Yeah, okay. And they said, but our fans. And I was like, no. No, no. <laughs> what fans? We're changing the name. <laughs> and they were like, mm, okay. And so then we changed it to Avec. 
Okay. So easy, easy. Um, and then we toured a bunch and, and, and it, that also fizzled out as bands do. Sure. And Brooks and I just weren't done rocking out together. And so we kind of, we kind of decided to go to our own corners though. And war on women and in Avec, we both played guitar and we both sang. I see. And in this band, we were like, let's just do what each one of us is the best at. Huh? So how, how does, um, so from, from the start, what was the songwriting process for you guys between the two of you? I mean, right at first, it was like Brooks had a couple extra riffs that didn't fit in with Avec, mm-hmm. and he didn't really know what to do with them. And we were sort of talking about like, you know, I don't think Avec's going to play any more shows. I think we're done. Like everyone's getting married or buying a house or they just want to, you know, get a degree, just do live their life. Right. Right. And we were like, we would much prefer to eat crackers and sleep on your floor. So (laughs) what should we do uh, to keep doing that? Um, And so I was like, okay, well, uh, I can, I got some stuff to say about street harassment. That's really pissing me off right now. Yeah. And we, we, we just kind of started from there. He had some riffs. I had some stuff to say. And, and I think at the time he and I were, were both really pissed off about what was going on in the, the George W administration and sure. uh, just reproductive rights being eroded away constantly and kind of, you know, I just was kind of like, I can't believe all my foremothers fought for all this and it's still happening. Yeah. Now I'm pissed and yeah. uh, kind of uh, just coincided with my political awakening. Sure. That's awesome. I mean, it, it's, it's interesting right off the bat doing research for you all. I, I found some really like, you know, normally male responses in, you know, some of the forums that you guys were posted. Oh, oh boy. Don't read the comments. You find the lambgoat.com one? I found a couple and I just found it to be, you know, really defensive and shitty in a, you know, very disproportionate way that immediately made me uncomfortable. Um, I think in some ways that means you're doing something right because you're obviously (laughs) poking the right bears. But I, I, I mean, I'd imagine it's kind of common. And I wanted to ask, just like on a personal level, like, how do you reconcile that? Like, I know in your hearts, you got to know you're doing the right thing. But how do you reconcile like that kind of backlash? Because it seems so, so nasty. I have to say it's it's not. Uh, I certainly don't <laughs> go fishing to for the comments these days. Right. I think when the band first started, and like we were being mentioned online, I was like, whoa, that's cool. That doesn't really happen with any of my other <laughs> right, bands. Right, right. So, so I'm going to read everything. This is sure. exciting, you know? Um, but after a while that becomes, uh, you know, it's no longer cathartic yes. or interesting. Mm-hmm. Uh, it just becomes, it just wears you down. And so at some point I just stopped. Yeah. Um, but, uh, so other than like some random comments that I can very easily avoid, um, uh, we don't get a lot of pushback um, to our faces, I guess. Right. I, like, I have no idea what goes on behind the scenes, what people say about us behind our backs. But um, I, I honestly thought we would be getting tons of rape threats or death threats by now. And it doesn't happen to the degree that I think some other bands get. Hmm. And I'm not sure why. And maybe they just got the wrong address. I don't know. But, <laughs> um, but, but, but in a way, it's like, either way, um, I don't give a fucking shit what some men's rights activist thinks about our band. I don't <laughs> care. There's nothing to rectify. Yeah. You know, sure. like we play good fucking music and they cannot deny that. Yeah. And if it's not about something that makes them feel comfortable in their worldview, 
I could give less of a fuck. That's awesome. How about you, Sue? You're on the internet all day. Do you read it? Yeah, no, yeah, I know. <laughs> well, I don't, you know what, honestly, like, it it kind of bums me out, like, to, you know, you know honestly, like, the thing that bums me out the most, like, when if I, like, accidentally read the comments is, like, people, like, saying, like, our band is shitty or we're not good at, like, songwriting or playing our instruments because that's a fucking lie. Yeah. You know? Yeah. No, sure. <laughs> Sorry. We all totally fucking shred and you know it, okay? <laughs> so, so, like, you know, you know what I mean? And, like, like... I don't like really give a shit if somebody like uh, says that I'm like ugly or whatever, you know yeah. what I mean? Um, but like it, it, it does bum me out when like, I don't know, like we would like, ugh, God damn it. Like the, the bar that is like the, like, what the fuck do you want? You know? Yes. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. No, it's true. And, and like, and the, and you know, it, it it's a fool's errand going down that road though. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, you know, so I really just try not to listen to people that say uh, shitty stuff, you know, like whatever. <laughs> so you're asking rhetorically, like, what do you want? But like, they want our silence, oh, right? Yes. Like, that's what they want. They want us to be quiet. And so yeah. as long as we don't do that, oh, yeah. then, we're, okay. then we're doing the right thing. Yeah. I mean, that's that's kind of like the reaction I felt from it is is defensiveness. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. And people don't get defensive about things they they don't know are wrong. <laughs> So that's where I'm like, you know, if they saw like the things I think are total artificial bullshit, I don't bother commenting on because I'm right, like, yeah, right, right. whatever. This is nothing. Who cares? Yeah. So the fact that there are any comments in that way, like I said, I do think it means you're yeah. uh, you're kicking down the right doors, at least in that way. Yeah, that's a really that's a really good point. That's a really good point. Uh, yeah, I, I definitely don't pay any attention to shit I don't like. You know what I mean? <laughs> <I literally, laughs> you know, like uh, and uh, I, 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 there is like a, a weird like like God like how threatened are you by our yeah. little band? You know? I know. I mean, that's exactly <laughs> it. And yeah, I think the thing you see, especially in the last you know few months, something that's becoming. Uh, unnervingly apparent is just it's just the loss of power and and mm. it's all power control and it's it's the idea of uh strong women a strong black community you know working for themselves and uh thriving is scary to them you know yeah they, well and, they, they've built this idea that that power is finite because right. that's that's how they built the system right that it was only right. for them and and so, of course, they think that by anyone else being empowered, it means that their rights will be taken away. That's right. But there's no way that people of color or women would build the same system. No. Mm -hmm. You know, uh, that's kind of that's not the point at all. So. Yeah. 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 I'm, I'm just I don't know if there's any way to even to know this. But, you know, I feel like the, the last election really drove home for me, at least, like how deeply ingrained um, sexism is. I mean, Obviously, Welcome. it's been an issue, but I just didn't realize that it was so fucking ingrained into everybody, including women, that um, in this country. Uh, and I just I was a little shocked by it, but uh, I'm naive. Um, but I'm wondering, <laughs> is there any way to tell, like, is it the same in other countries? Obviously, we're talking mostly about like kind of online feedback. But do you think it's the same in in other places that uh that if that don't you know don't have quite the same problem um, electing female, yeah, like Germany for example. Yeah, 
Yeah. Or just about um, any civilized yeah. country. I mean, I mean, I feel, I feel like, like, <laughs> no, just the, Germany. Like all of the, yeah. I mean, all of the countries that we've, like, I, I, like we were on tour, like, let's say this time last year, maybe around then, I don't know. But like, you know, there were, like, talking to like people in Germany, there was like a lot of, they were like very worried about like, like an increasing, like, kind of right wing, uh, yeah. like, you know, like, like whatever astroturfing stuff you know trying to like take over local elections you know Mm -hmm. um and uh i can't i can't remember what the name of the party was called it was something similar like ukip in in england you know and uh i don't know it's like it's like i feel like uh, the 2016 election really just emboldened people all over the world to be dicks out loud and show their ass out loud you know like yeah yeah but i think that like everywhere we went everywhere we tour um there are like feminist groups, like local oh, feminist yeah. groups that are active and have been active since we've been touring over there before the 2016 election. And so um, it is absolutely true that the oppression of women is a worldwide thing mm-hmm. um, and that it uh, presents itself in maybe different or unique ways depending on the culture or the specific issues uh, going on in that country or area. Um, and so to varying degrees, but, uh, like really no country is like perfect at it. Mm -hmm. Right. And, um, and even folks that are like, no, it's pretty good here. You know, it's not so bad. Then like there are like street, street harassment activist groups that are like, yeah, okay. So I get paid. Okay. But like men yell things at me every day on the street and it makes me feel bad, you know? And so it's like, there is always something. And, uh, the people in, in power are the ones that are like, yeah, you got it fine. You got it good. Don't worry. Someone else has it worse. So stop complaining. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. Right. Like, but it's, it was, yeah, it's worldwide. I feel like they always hang their hat on the fact that it used to be worse. So you yes. should just be happy about where it's at now. Yeah. Right. You know, like just be happy that it's marginally better than it was. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> you know, just sit on that. No, um, thanks. You know, I wish like, you know, it was something that, you know, I've had to reconcile too the idea that, you know, part of being a punk and hardcore kid when I was young was the idea that I'm in this like open and non-exclusionary place for everyone. But, you know, now looking back in retrospect, I realize how painfully, you know, straight and white and male often these shows were. And there were the people in the bands and the people doing the shows. I mean, there are obviously many, many exceptions, but mm-hmm. not in large numbers. You yeah, know, it's true. Yeah, it's um, true. It's true. You know, like like. Uh, I, I, that I feel like has been a real market, market change, like from, you know, back when, like I right. was like, you know, throwing shows in New Brunswick and stuff. Like, I really feel like you, you just see so many more women, yes. you know, in the DIY scene now and it's fucking rad, you know? Yeah. It's yeah. Fucking, that's yeah. what I was going to ask. Have you noticed, you know, at least with everything going on the last, you know, five, 10 years, like, have you noticed? You have noticed like oh, some yeah. market improvement in attendance and stuff like that. Yeah, and also like more like women in bands. You know yes. what I mean? Like, yeah. Like, th- like Benny, sure. think, think, think. You know, like think back to like the late nineties. Like you know, in yeah. Jersey, there were like There's three th- bands with girls in the band. Very few. Yeah. You know, Very few. and uh, like I don't know. Uh, and, yeah, it was pretty much that- you, Dana Berkowitz, Allie um, from Fast Times. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, <laughs> K- Kelly Kaboom. Sure. Yeah, um, yeah, not, yeah, Kelly Kaboom, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's a name I haven't heard in a while. Um, yeah, no, you're right. What about you, Sean? Have, have you seen any kind of uh, market yeah. improvement? 
Yeah, for sure. I was going to say, like, you know, Sue and I are probably punks because we decided to keep going to shows despite being, you know, feeling unwelcome or like those little comments or Mm -hmm. are being shoved out of the way or um, being dismissed or like, oh, you don't even know what you're playing or, you know, (laughs) like... All the stupid stuff, uh, yeah. you know, even predatory older men, you know, right. like yeah. we, we just kept going because we were like, well, you're not going to tell me not to go, yes. you know, but like no one should be forced to one be put in that position in the first place, but also uh, reasonably so not everyone is going to keep showing up where they're not welcome. Exactly. Yeah, Most sure. smart people are going to go, well, fuck this <laughs> yeah, and go right. somewhere else. Right, and right. that is totally okay and normal and valid, you know? And so just the fact that there are, you know, some of us that like stuck it out, you know, or um, kept encouraging, you know, other people to play like, like, like representation matters. And so the more people you see that look like you, the more, you know, you can do that thing too. And that's why we're starting to see this finally, like huge amount of like women and DIY where it's just normal. Yeah, for yeah, women yeah. to have bands. Uh, we finally reached that critical point. Now, if we can get that to like fucking uh, people making money in bands, yeah. that would be nice. <laughs> yeah. um, my yeah. bank account would appreciate that. So would my yeah. landlord. But, um, <laughs> you know, we're, it's, it's on the way, I guess. Yeah. It, I you know, so. it, it, it took me a long, uh, you know, I, I'm going to be honest. It, it did, it did take me a while to like really kind of understand like, rep- like the importance of representation you know, for like, you know, in, in, in the arts for a lot of women, because, you know, it wasn't like personally that important to me, oh, you know yeah. what I mean? So, you know, I'm like, oh, whatever. It doesn't matter, obviously. <laughs> 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 like I was, right. like, I was able to do it. So, yeah, but like, I, uh, and then I don't know, it's like, um, I think I like grew up a little bit. <laughs> <laughs> right. realized that I was like kind of wrong, you know? So no, I um, only play music. I mean, maybe my journey just would have looked differently, but I absolutely can trace back like the exact moment when I saw a music video on MTV and a woman playing guitar. And I was like, oh, Ooh, I can do that. It? Who was it? Who was it? It was, it was Courtney Love. Yeah. It was Courtney Love and Holt. Okay, sure. Yeah. I just didn't know until that moment that I could also play guitar. It never Fuck even yeah. crossed my mind huh. that it was possible. But once I knew, I was like, mom, 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 I need a guitar for Christmas. Let's give me a guitar. I got to play guitar. That's Which awesome. Like, Which video was it? You know, I, I was trying to think about that the other day. I am I would love to say that it was Miss World, but I'm sure it was Doll Parts. And okay. that's just the one that blew up so big you couldn't uh, escape it. My 12-year-old you know? daughter, who's just begun learning guitar, just brought... She she asked me if I could teach her that song. I don't even know where she heard it because I I, wow. really I can t- I can teach her over Zoom because yeah. that song is so easy. <laughs> I know it's not, <laughs> it's not even a full C chord. I showed it I showed it to her. I was like I was psyched, but I'm like yeah. I said where'd you yeah. Hear at this the time song? I was really excited to have the tab book, and like now I'm like I couldn't fucking figure that out. All right, I guess I was new <laughs> to guitar. Okay. <laughs> Wait, your daughter's so young, Shauna. Maybe you could put on like like a wig or something and pretend to be Courtney Love and Zoom have no for idea. Brad's daughter. She's, have, she's have no 12. Idea. She wouldn't know. Yeah. Uh, I don't, actually, 12-year-olds are probably really great at Googling. Yeah. She's yeah. a little sharper than, than I am on some of this. Yeah. So, Sue, this is a part of the show that we do a segment called Mystery Friend. Uh. 
Yeah. Okay. So basically what I'm going to do is tell you a quick thing that happened to you. I would like you to elaborate on this story, especially this one. And you have to guess which friend told me this story. Okay. Oh, God. Okay. That's hilarious. Here's the stuff. I'm so worried. (laughs) So, Sue, please tell me about the time that 10 skinheads almost beat you up at the Rutgers radio station WRSU. (laughs) How that came about and, and what happened. Oh boy! Wow. Okay, this is a uh, this is great. Uh, so <laughs> I had a I had a radio show um, on WRSU, and it was at the really desirable time of two a.m. to six a.m. Yes, like, Saturday night into Sunday morning. Okay. 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 And uh, I I I I did this show like geek, and you know I, I it was like it was my show, but I would have friends hang out. Of you course, know, sometimes yeah. RSU you know, style. And, yeah. 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 And I don't know. It was like just, I just like played whatever the hell I wanted because I didn't imagine anybody was ever listening. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? yeah. So I had this one of my friends at the time was uh, doing. It was there with me, and um, you can oh, name names. I, it's been I, so can long. Can I name names? Yeah, come on. It's, okay, it's been his, like it's been too long. Okay, his name was Todd Stucy. Okay, okay. and um, he. Uh, got on the mic and started saying a bunch of mean things about a local punk <laughs> named named Ronan <laughs> okay who at the time had like a blue mohawk and Todd was like yeah Ronan you're that blue haired goon <laughs> <laughs> anyway you know i don't i don't i don't actually remember like what he was saying you know it, it, i don't it wasn't anything like that bad it was just kind of like like i don't know like whatever yeah you know just like fucking around people. like yeah you know? scan <laughs> under his skin a little bit like you know he and he was like a friend of ours you know what okay. i mean it wasn't yeah. like whatever sure anyway ronan was also really good friends with all the local skinheads though yeah. and at that exact moment they were all in a car together going to white castle <laughs> Listening to WRSU. Okay, so (laughs) the the main skinhead, this guy named Junior. Oh, Junior. Also had a radio show, uh, WRSU, which meant he had like a key card to get into the building. Oh, right. Oh, no. (laughs) So they like all like drive to the radio station and Ronan's like no 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 it's cool they're my friends and and this can are like we're gonna fuck them up for <laughs> reference for the listening audience Junior was the singer of an oi band called Niblick Henbane who oh. like them and their whole crew were absolutely fucking terrifying just <laughs> yeah. just to throw that out there there's a scary bunch especially if you didn't know them. well he was in Heidnik too was he also in oh Heidnik I'm yeah. sorry yeah Heidnik too yeah. not Niblick yeah you're right yeah well uh, let me l- let me just like uh, to me these skinheads were the most terrifying people I'd you know yeah. like I knew them I'd seen them around and I was like I'm afraid of them anyway <laughs> so um I think in in the room with me was uh was Todd Stucy and Zach Kaplan, who, okay. you know, sure. people might know from the the Ratchets and Worthless, Worthless and, uh, yeah. and uh, Pirates Press Records and and, and such. Great singer. Um, uh, yes, yeah, wonderful, wonderful dude. <laughs> and 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 these two and these two other kids, whatever. Who, uh, as soon as they heard the door downstairs open, like ran away. Oh, okay? really? 
Yeah. <laughs> How noble. Yeah. No. So, so we're just like sitting there in the radio station and the door just like bangs open. Oh, no. And Junior stomps in and immediately punches Zach in the face. <gasps> oh. Okay. And then he goes to me, you're lucky I don't hit girls. Yo, Christina, hit this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. So there was a female skinhead yeah, in tow. Already. Like, okay. I will never fucking forget. Like, she looked like she, in my memory, she's eight feet tall, wearing like, wearing like the oxblood flight jacket. Yeah, and her yeah. fist is just coming at me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Oh, no. So she but, tried to hit you. Yeah, well, I, yeah, but she didn't. I don't. I don't. I think. It, I think Junior was just trying to threaten. I don't know. Whatever. Right. Did G- you get hit or not, Sue? I didn't. I know it didn't get hit. I didn't get hit, <laughs> okay. but I don't know why not. Really. Right. Um, <laughs> but Ronan ran in, being like, "Guys, guys, calm down, calm down. It's cool. It's cool. It's cool." You know, and um, <laughs> and I, I, I like I don't and and I. I don't know what happened next. It seemed to be a blur. I do remember the next day, um, the kid that ran away uh, gave um, Zach the Lifetime Hello Bastards record as okay. like an I'm sorry oh, present. Oh, like Yeah, because he got hit. <laughs> and then Zach was like, Sue, have you heard this record? It's really good. And then... The rest was history with me and Zach. <laughs> like we sit together. Anyway, but then the skinheads um, liked us after that because they thought Zach knew how to take a punch and were stoked that I didn't back down. Respect. Oh, shit. So you earned respect and you no, discovered seriously. lifetime. No, I'm no I mean I mean I mean I mean seriously, like like they were like, yo, come over on Monday night, you know, we're having a party or whatever. <laughs> and then you were all friends. So the funniest yeah. part of this is so so you were talking shit about Ronan, not talking shit, but having fun with Ronan. And yeah. it was Ronan who was actually the one who ended up kind of making the skinheads not well, beat you guys up or yeah, attempting exa- it. Ex- exactly, exactly, exactly. You know. <laughs> oh, my God. I just have this image of Junior going up the WFMU. Who, who ran? Where, where did your friends run? Like up the stairs or something? Uh, yeah, they, they hit, I think they hid in a stairwell or a bathroom. <laughs> Went up to that fourth and then, floor. And then yeah. they fled to North Jersey for a couple of days. <laughs> oh, my goodness. That is so funny. So I have a direct quote from who told me this story. Apparently, this came out of Junior's mouth, which, yeah, you came close to. Yo, you lucky a bitch, so I don't hit you. Yo, Christina, come over here and hit this bitch. There's <laughs> apparently a direct quote from this story. Oh, my goodness. And you made a bunch of great friends. That is intense, man. That's so funny. And, I mean, and none of these, we should be clear, right? These were all junior in that crew were like, they were like non-racist skinheads, yeah, right? They were, they were like, like sharps. sharps. They, yeah, they yeah. were sharpies. Yeah, yeah. You know, they were like, they, they just like to drink and fight. Them. Yeah, you know what I mean. But but they but they were sharpies because like if you it, like you know they weren't racists. You know right. what I mean. They may not have been like going out and looking for Nazis to beat up every night. Yeah, they weren't activists either. Probably. Yeah. yeah. No, yeah. No, I, mean, no. I mean, you know, like some like some of you know some of them were like like Pedro Serrano, you know, sure. whatever. Yeah, yeah. But like basically, it, you kind of I, I feel like in that time you you had to like distinguish yourself by like being a sharp mm-hmm. yes because you had to. Yeah, no, you had yeah to. because like it, there's still real skinheads like, running around then yeah 
Yeah, people would be would like really be like, oh, he's on the fence. He's shady. You know, if like right. yes. you know, you didn't like actively declare yourself anti-racist. Yeah, you had you know? to be clear about it. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and I'm guessing too. I mean, this is just you know me delineating the situation, but. If that crew was already in a car heading to White Castle, <laughs> I'm going to say 95%. They were probably already drunk. Oh, yeah. Because oh. that's usually what's prompting that trip. You know? I mean, of course. Of course. Yeah. That's of true course. for anyone, skinhead or not. Yeah, skinhead or not. That's universal. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I mean, you know, scratching Taco Bell for me, but, but most yeah. of them. Yeah. So, so, all right. Great story. Thank you for that. Who, who do you think I got this? Who is your mystery friend? Okay. I think... Oh my god! It could be like anybody, but I feel like it's either got to be Ronan or Zach. Yeah. Okay. It, you got it. I went right to the source. I went to Ronan. Okay. okay, okay. <laughs> yeah. I literally hit Ronan up about this, and within like ten seconds, he called me and just being like, "Dude, I have the best fucking story for you." He's like, "You don't even know." He's like, oh this God. is how it starts. The time 10 skinheads almost beat up Sue at WRSU. I'm like, what? <laughs> and he said a, a, a guy named Pablo was there. Yeah, that was the one that of the friends the that runner. ran away. That was the yeah. runner. He was yeah. the runner. Yeah. The runner. He's got to be on wax as the runner. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um. <laughs> oh, too funny, man. Oh, I love that so much. Yeah, no, that, I mean, that, that is a really good story. I should put that in the rotation, you know, of like, <laughs> <laughs> of like you know, thing, things to tell people that will yeah. make them think that I'm cool. Hello, you nice know? to meet you. Did you know? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Shauna, any run-ins with skinheads yourself? or I don't think so. I, I try to stay back. We definitely have uh, some skinheads in Baltimore. Yeah. I think of the, the racist and non-racist variety. I'm sure. Um, so, uh, yeah, I'm a smallish person, so I just uh, keep my distance. Uh, these days. These days, yeah. I, somebody, somebody who's small coming with that attitude scares me even more <laughs> these days. You know, sure, there's like sure. MMA and all these mixed martial arts. Like, you think someone's small and then all of a sudden your leg is just like, you know, in three different pieces or something yeah. strange. You can't, you can't trust the, the big and small thing anymore. I mean, I'm scrappy, but... They yeah. always roll in groups of like 10 deep yeah. or something. Uh, that's always so, how they that do it. So yeah. I am very yeah. outnumbered. Yeah, <laughs> not yeah, worth the, it for me. Yeah, those <laughs> gangs have always have always affected their strength in numbers for sure. Oh, yeah. Um, so, Sean, you conduct wedding ceremonies? I do, yeah. So are you part of the, um, what is it, the Universalist Life Church of Modesto, California? <laughs> no, I live in Baltimore, dude. No, no, no. This um, is the one that anybody can kidding. get licensed to be a... a, a a wedding, uh, you know, purveyor. Yeah, no, this. I know. It's a joke. I got ordained oh. online. It's cool. <laughs> <laughs> um, obviously, I am a, I am a non-theist. <laughs> yes. Uh, no, uh, it's through the Church of Spiritual Humanism. Oh, okay. And I did it uh, back when I moved to Baltimore, actually, around 2002, uh, to perform a friend's wedding. Um, it ended up falling through, but uh, it doesn't expire and so okay. I just always kind of kept it in my back pocket. Um, and uh, I actually, one of my jobs when I moved here was DJing like events, like corporate events and oh, like okay. proms and stuff like that. And so I was kind of too young to do weddings because I feel like the, the families would just laugh at me because oh, I was like I 22 years old. They'd be right. like, yeah, right. You're a baby. Um, <laughs> but I did everything else. And I, I would be like the helper if a wedding needed like a second helper. They had a lot of equipment. I'd okay. be the helper. So I've seen a lot of weddings and 
And after getting super bored playing like the same Black IP song over and over again <laughs> at all these events, um, you know, I got another job. But uh, but I was like, you know, weddings are pretty cool. There's food, there's drinks, yeah. <laughs> people are happy in their Usually, relationship yeah. in that moment. Sure. And <laughs> and in general, like I love love. You know, yeah. like I think it's beautiful. I think it's great. Sure. Um, like marriage has not really been a thing that I've been super interested in for me, mm-hmm. but I totally like respect it and I'm happy for people. Right. Yeah. So, yeah, I think it just started as uh, I did it for a couple of friends here in Baltimore and uh, then I would put an ad out or, you know, I made a little WordPress website and got strangers asking me to perform their wedding. And I think that, you know, the benefit was like, I'm kind of a punk, kind of an activist. I am a woman. I am non-theist. And if you're looking for that, there's not as many of those as there are like super religious, like old Mm -hmm. white dudes. So that's true. You kind of cornered the market there. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Have you ever done a package deal where you uh, do the ceremony and then DJ the, the, uh, Party. No, one of my favorite things oh, about you got to put uh, together a bundle. Yeah, yeah, yeah right. <laughs> and the special this month. Um, no, one of my favorite things about doing weddings is um, by the time by the time wedding day comes around, uh, I work for about twenty minutes, right. right? And I get that check and I go home. Yeah, and I love it. Like I've do, I've done you know I help them create the script. Like that that's really the work is like making sure that they're happy with the script and that we have a good ceremony that they're that they like but then the day of i just i slap on a dress and some lipstick <laughs> and i stand up there and, I, and i'm used to being on stage and performing and having a mic and so i can you know i i'm natural and i let them uh shine and then uh i'm like cool where's the food let's nice. hang let's do it you never fuck up just start screaming or pop a stage dive or something <laughs> <laughs> yeah no i do really love that skit on snl where it's like the wedding oh, band oh my god fred armisen, <laughs> fred armisen and dave oh, Grohl. it's fucking like, perfect fight in the parking lot yeah, yeah. I, yeah. I mean i would love that i i do think there's been a couple people that have hired me because of you know like who i am but sure. i think uh no, mostly they they just want someone with weird hair to freak out their mom. And <laughs> you know, otherwise it's pretty normal. <laughs> like fuck it, check still works, man. You know. Yeah, um, yeah, yeah. So and, and as you know, you've gone beyond. As you said, you know, you're, you're an activist, a public speaker, um, and obviously a musician. So you decided to put together the book, the that's the definitive guide for creating safe spaces. Um, I'd like I to thought, think so, yeah. Which I thought, <laughs> <laughs> which I thought is, is really smart and really useful for for today's age to not just talk about it, but to um, you know tell people how to deliver the action, which I think people need. So, yeah. so how did you get the idea for it, and and what prompted putting that together? Well, I've been teaching safer space tactics for the last seven years. Right. And it kind of came out of my street harassment activism. Mm -hmm. Um, But after kind of raising awareness and, you know, you get people's stories about their own street harassment, you like as time went on, you start to realize, um, well, everyone that's being harassed (laughs) knows that it's bad (laughs) and they don't like it. And and the community, you know, the the silence around it is lifting. And so people can share their stories. And so. Once you have that sort of critical mass of stories, the next step Mm -hmm. is getting other people involved to change something, right? Like, Mm -hmm. there's not a lot I can do to prevent 
someone from harassing me, right? But when it happens, anyone else around can say something that supports me or shuts it down in the moment. And frankly, that just that tiny bit of resistance, even like a dude, knock it off, that can be enough to show people um, that it's not okay and not normal. And and really that lack of resistance, that lack of uh, a consequence, however small, is what keeps people from, you know, it keeps them continuing to push boundaries. It keeps Mm -hmm. them doubling down on bad behavior because no one is saying, hey, man, that's not cool. (laughs) Yeah, they just remain unchallenged. Yeah. And so, you know, why wouldn't they? It makes them feel good, even though it hurts others. And so um, I kind of just moved into the more bystander aspect of intervention. Uh, And then I really liked to concentrate on on where I lived, right? In Mm -hmm. clubs and venues and bars, uh, coffee shop, bookstop, uh, bookshop, whatever. Um, There's all these spaces where where people are working and they have so much power to make sure that everyone can have a good time. Yeah. And and that's that's all it is. That's all safer spaces is. Everyone's free to have a good time and then if someone's being a jerk, you know that you can tell someone that works there and they'll know what to do or say mm. that not only doesn't make it worse, but it might actually solve the situation, solve the problem in the moment. And so it's not about like kicking people out or ostracizing them. It's about just saying like don't do that thing anymore, and then you can stay, man. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, so, yeah, the book is called Making Spaces Safer, and it doesn't just apply to street harassment. It, it applies to any kind of identity-based harassment or violence. So it's it's kind of vague enough and specific enough to help sure. as many people as possible. And, awesome. And certainly men can be victims of harassment and violence. It's not anti-man. I don't know who your audience is, so maybe they need to hear that. <laughs> it's probably um, a lot. It's probably a lot of men who look <laughs> a lot like me and Brad. So okay. that's why it's important for me in this forum to to talk to you guys and let. Oh my god, I keep saying that. Um, to talk to you all and and let uh and and let people, like I said even earlier, sometimes feel uncomfortable. I think I want yeah. people to feel a little uncomfortable to be able to to reconcile and move forward, you know? Well, yeah. And I think like as a nation right now, we're starting, you know, at least a lot of people are starting to understand that they, they have to feel uncomfortable as white people if they're going to help shut down racism. Yes. Right. And so um, it's kind of similar, not the same, but it's similar in that uh, men need to feel a little uncomfortable so that they can help shut down sexism. Yeah, hundred percent. And so the cool thing about my book is that it will not make you feel uncomfortable though. This book is actually very empowering men. You will feel like superheroes and you'll be (laughs) shutting down harassment everywhere you go and it'll feel awesome. And you'll do it in a way that doesn't make you like seem like some sort of white knight or you're taking over the situation. Right, right, right. I I really, it is a really practical book. It's all like, do this, do this, do this, do this. It's not theoretical, you know? It's like, no, here's what you do. I'm trying to make it as easy as possible for people to make their communities safer and, like, more fun for everybody. Sure. Now, now, in our world, you know, just to stay inside of music for this, what what are, like, some simple first steps that that either a band or a venue could could take like yeah right i mean the, the yeah the first step is really obvious intentions and right. so for a club that would mean putting up posters mm. you know social media posts uh signage 
just making it really clear to everyone what your space is about, what's okay and what's not okay in your space, and if something so, happens, who do you talk to? Yeah. And a band can make the same kinds of social media posts and say sure. what you're about, and you can also, you know, it's a unique power to have to stand on a stage and have a microphone, right? So mm-hmm. you can actually just say to the audience, uh, don't fucking touch people <laughs> without their permission, uh, everybody be cool, or whatever, you know. Not everyone talks like me like that. So <laughs> whatever language is appropriate for you and your, your genre, um, you know, just, just tell people. You just have to tell people what you're about. The silence around it is what helps prop up and normalize bad behavior. Right. So we can't look the other way. We have to actually talk about it. And then the next thing is to intervene when something does happen. Yeah. Because it will inevitably happen. Of course. You know, safer spaces doesn't mean nothing bad ever happens ever. It just means that if it does, people know what to do. Mm-hmm. And the more we do that, the less it happens. Right, 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 right. So that's yeah. like an easy thing to Google. I'm just going to say it. I don't care what you're asking me next, but I'm just going to say it. Um, an easy thing to Google that's also in my book is the five D's of bystander intervention. Okay. And that will get you through a lot of different situations, especially in public spaces, even right now, because Asian Americans are experiencing a high, high amount yeah. of harassment wherever they go. Black and brown people are still being harassed and experiencing violence. And so they need your help. 100%. Yeah. Um, now, I, I read in another part that uh, or you even had, had mentioned already that, um, you know, training staff say, at a bar or a venue to, you know, recognize these problems and know how to deal with them when they come about and deal with them in the, in the right way. Um, you know, that would take training, right? Training, of course, that would take the owner of an establishment um, having to go out of their way to to put this kind of training in place. And I wonder in a situation like that, like how, how far you can get with just altruism, where like you can't just bank on the fact that 100% of venue owners are going to be open to this and do it. So is there any way to like, is this something in the end that that needs to be like legislated in order for there to be like, you know, real universal protections put in place? I don't I don't know about that. I don't know about that, because like a lot of the stuff in the book mm-hmm. uh, is kind of just general good human skills. Right. right. Like just good communication, healthy boundaries. Um, how do you de-escalate someone in crisis? Yes. That's you know, really upset or having an anxiety attack like. That's kind of a part of all of this, too. Mm. Um, And so that seems like stuff that should be taught in like a health class, a sex ed class. So maybe that's the legislation part, actually having a comprehensive sex ed class that includes boundaries and consent (laughs) and how our bodies actually work. Um, But also uh, mental health uh, access. Uh, If we can learn good communication uh, through therapy or counseling, um, we're going to be in good shape. To, to be our best selves with other people as well. So, yeah, maybe it's legislative and just, like, uh, let us let us have health care. Let us have good health care, please, government, please. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Um, but I don't think, you know, even if there's, like, one person at a bar that's really into this idea and, like, but the boss is not into it, no one else cares, you can still read this book and get a lot out of it and and be the only person doing these things and still help people. Yeah, still 100%. like make them feel better, still have their back, still make the environment better without getting in the way 
of what your boss wants or even profits or tips. So it's still good to do. For sure. I mean, that's where I wish sometimes more punk rockers and people who, you know, imagine they had a DIY ethic to kind of skip that part of the process. You know what I mean? It's like Mm. if we're going to sit here and wait for other people to do the right thing or the government to form uh, you know, the correct way to go about this. He could be, waiting, be waiting forever. forever. Yeah. Yes, you'll be waiting forever. Yeah, this book is, it, it really is DIY. It's, 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 we're not relying on the state. We're not relying on cops to keep our communities safe. In fact, they normally make them less safe. And so it is on us, every single one of us, to, to protect everyone else in our community. And the thing is, like, you don't have to do huge, big, sweeping gestures to get that done. It, it's really just, how you handle those little small interactions every day, and and it's it's not too much. So okay, am I selling the book enough? Sorry. <laughs> uh, I, I already ordered it while we were just okay, talking. Good. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I got one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's awesome. I, I think it's a vital thing to put out. I mean, I don't know if you're you know going to be on Oprah anytime soon talking about it, but it also it's important to have these reference materials out there. And I'm glad that it reads more as like a reference than in a, you know, because, because those things stick around, you know, like literal, like these are steps to do this from A to B to C. I think that stuff sticks around and that stuff is, is very vital. So I I appreciate you writing a book like that. Well, thank you. That's my hope. And if anyone out there, I know times are weird, but if anyone out there wants a virtual training, that's my job. So <laughs> I'm awesome. happy to do that. Just go to shaunapotter.com and, and see what all uh, we, can, we can learn together. Awesome. I love it. Well, I already kept you guys an hour and 15 minutes. So I needed to know one thing. When you named your band, did you realize the incredible like acronym you were going to get out of it? <laughs> <laughs> Like, I like think was, I just it, didn't was it part care. of it from the start? Or you're wow. like, yo, we can also use wow, you know? Like, this is good. <laughs> no, no. Oh. I, I honestly don't care. Actually, sometimes there was some band in Baltimore back in the day that was called, like, Women of, I don't know, Women of something? Whip. Uh, see, I don't even remember because um, I wasn't here. I wasn't, you know. But I, I got a lot of those questions when we first started. Like, oh, do you know that band from 15 years ago when you were like 10 uh, or whatever? Right, right, <laughs> like, right, no, right. I do not. Um, <laughs> so, no. Uh, I mean, I'll take it, though. It's better than like ass or something. Sure. I mean, I, I, just, I mean, you like. Literally- or maybe not. Maybe ass would be better. I don't know. I mean, you just, you need something good to stencil on cases. And, and this yeah, is- yeah, that we've got, <laughs> that we've got. Can I do a, like a, a slightly name droppy story about that? Oh, I want it. Yes. <laughs> Will you be mad? <laughs> so we were on tour with Flag, you know. Oh, the Flag. flag. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. And like Bill Stevenson was like playing drums and he like, you know, saw our gear and then like took a case and flipped it over. So it said, mom <laughs> and he was like yo <laughs> check this out <laughs> mom he's like i gotcha yeah i know it's been stevenson awesome. <laughs> yeah yeah oh that's too good it was like the second day of tour and we were all terrified of him <laughs> you know anyway you can't get one past that guy yeah <laughs> i love him that's the ultimate that's the ultimate 
<laughs> well, Sue, Shauna, thanks so much for doing this. I appreciate it. That was thanks fun. Thanks for having us. This yeah. was so much fun. Good. I hope I see you soon. The last time I saw you, I was afraid to touch anyone because it was right when the coronavirus started. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Wait. Yeah. Wait when, when we were at that show in Baltimore, oh, it, yeah. it was already like kicking around. It wasn't oh, crazy yet. But I was oh still pretty afraid to like be around and I kind of sat in the corner and yeah. drank scotches all night. Like it yeah. was, it was, it was when, you know, we knew something was going on, but yeah, before true. the shit really hit the fan and I yeah. was still playing shows. Yeah. Yeah. So wow. I, I hope to see you I, again. You know what? I totally forgot context. about that. I was thinking the last time we saw each other was in Germany when nope. I gave you the ambient. <laughs> <laughs> <Dude. laughs> Hey, I didn't know if I was going to be able to sleep that night, you know? Obviously, I did because I never took it. It's still there. Yeah. That's that's because Gunner went to some weird park and found me weed. Um, But anyway, yeah. I'm pretty sure all of Sue's friends have one pill of Ambien that maybe she's given them at (laughs) some point because you're so nice. I know. I just want everyone to have a good night's sleep. Yeah, thank you. That's so thoughtful, Sue. You're so sweet. All right. Well, really, again, thanks for doing this. And, uh, Hopefully we can do it again soon. Yay. Awesome. Talk to you guys later. All right. Bye, Bye guys. <laughs> oh, yeah. Whew. Good one. I feel like I went, I went to school. <laughs> yeah, I know. <laughs> That's awesome about Shauna, though. I think it's like, it's important with the kinds of things she's talking about to, like, get out of the musical context and just be like, a voice and a speaker and yeah. someone who's like, it's cool with representation, you know, cause if somebody sees her speak, her words carry a lot of weight. If you go home and YouTube like a war on women video right. or a war on women show and just watching her fucking rip it, well, you know? It's and then like, you're like, Oh, okay. She's a badass. Like I'm going to listen to what she's Yeah. Says, but know? she's also like, she knows what she's talking about and oh, yeah. she puts her fucking money where her mouth is, you know? For like, sure. I mean, we all, you know, have gotten up there on the stage and tried to, you know, steer people in the right direction. But yeah. like she's doing it on and off the stage. I mean, she's doing more off stage than she is on stage, you know, in terms of guiding yeah. people. And like that's pretty fucking major. And I think the discipline of it is important. I've been thinking about it since we did that interview. And like, I mean, it's true. You need to train staff. To yeah. know how to handle it and how to handle it correctly and not minimize it when it happens. You need to train other people to yeah, actually yeah. be vocal and shut it down. You and, know, like, and it wor- that's the crazy thing. It works. You know, you see so often when nobody says anything and it's not it's not that hard. It's just no. it's not that hard to say something. And it's amazing how effective it is when you do and how you can literally like three out of five times the person in question will be like, oh, fuck. Oh, yeah, more you know, like, often than that. They usually don't double down and, and become a total fucking douche. But sometimes but they people do. Are, and then you call the yeah, bouncer. <laughs> sometimes they do. But, like, I think, like, people are terrified of conflict exactly. in general. Yeah. You know, so so that's where I think having tools in, like, the toolbox where yeah. it's, like, I know exactly what I'm going to say. Somebody who's really smart and educated in this told me the exact approach that'll probably work best, that'll minimize you know, conflict inside of it. And I think if you know that stuff and you have those tools, then you'd probably be a lot more apt to be vocal in that situation. it gives you the confidence. At the end of the day, it's all about confidence, right? Yeah, like not everyone is from New Jersey. Like, you know, I'll... (laughs) 
Like, I've never had a problem with that shit. That right. shit's easy for me. You right. know what I mean? I see, I can't even help it when I see something going on and I got my, my ass in the middle of it yeah. before <laughs> I know it, you know, sometimes even in a bad way. But I get it for other people. Like, it, especially if it's some, like, you know, giant dude at a show who's, like, physically daunting and, and you're, like, you know, yeah, somebody yeah. much smaller, something like that. Like you're afraid of getting your ass kicked. You're afraid of something oh, yeah. weird happening. So, I mean, especially if they've already proven that they can be confrontational. Yeah, you don't. Yeah, mean, totally, totally. But you're you're right though. Where like I remember one time in a show in like North Carolina, there was a guy who's obviously just like fucking wasted. Um, I, I would guess like E. E or K, he looked like he was on like rave drugs or something by his vibe, you know, sweaty. And he was just bumming people out in the front. It was like a mellow show. Like people weren't going that nuts. Right. And this guy is just like bothering anyone in sight. You know what I mean? Like he can. And you can see the whole vibe of like the front of the show just bumming out. And and early on, I'm like, yo, this is going to ruin the show. This sucks. And I'm starting to get mad. And I'm like looking at the guy and then just between songs. I saw Brian, I'm like, yo, this guy's fucking driving me. He's like, go. He's like, say something. I'm like, all right. Like, and I just got out from behind the kit and went to the front of the stage and just straight up was like, yo, you're like ruining the show for other people. I'm like, either go in the back or shut the fuck up. Like one, one thing or the other, but I'm not going to sit here and watch you like kill this. Like, right. and the guy like immediately like, yeah, you know, like just, he didn't, he didn't know. Right. His just wasted mind thought he was just having fun. Well, you know. Also, you've brought up another like element of this, which is that you were building up this tension inside yourself, and we've all seen this in fucking clubs, especially among young men. It builds up until you fucking lose your shit, and then you got two people who are fucking infuriated, and it's a fight. And so, yeah, if you go in there early before you've built this tension up in yourself, before you yourself are filled with fucking anxiety and, like, anger. That's true. Then it's a lot easier to keep it chill. Um, I probably should have gone, like, a song or two before because I was pretty hot. Yeah, that's the thing. You were probably, like, all, like, your adrenaline was up because you had to face this guy. It was. It was. Yeah, it's true. Uh, So act early. Act early. Act effectively. Read Shauna's book, yeah. So and listen um, to her speak for sure because it's it's smart. She's, oh, um, and come on, and the skinhead story at the radio station. Oh <laughs> that my was goodness. one of the best mystery friends. I think ever. that was the best mystery friend ever. It maybe may, it may be the best one. I I hit up Ronan for that. You know, I knew like the window and the you know some of the old punks from New Brunswick. I could hit up for that, and he hit me back so fast. Yep. He's like, can I call you? He's like, I can't text this. Can I call you? And he's just going. I'm like walking my dog or something, listening to the story. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is awesome. This is the one. Yeah. Wow. Thanks to Ronan for that. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, if you want to check out uh, the socials, War on Women is Instagram. And then their Twitter is War on Women with an X instead of an E at the end. And Shauna Potter, W-O-W on Instagram and Twitter, and then Cap and Sue on Instagram as well. C-A-P-N-S-U-E, and War on Women on Facebook as well. Yeah, check them out. And Shauna's book, Making Spaces Safer, check that out too. Yeah, for um, sure. And we've just AK got Press. some, we've got some Press, new... AK Press, still doing books. Uh, we got some new patrons, Benny, that we got somebody yesterday, I forgot to text it to you. So 
They keep coming in. If you want to be a patron, go to patreon.com slash going off track. Um, I got some more bonus material. I'm working on it right now. I got to get it up there. I know I've been saying that. And uh, Oh, yeah. By the way, I, we might as well just – I've been trying to get onto the Patreon all week, and your email thing is locking me out. I know. We'll get that fixed. We'll fix that right, later so, today. So once Brad fixes <laughs> my security clearance, I'll be posting a lot more on there too. I have a whole diatribe. I, I re-listened to the episode with, with Fat Mike, and okay. I feel really bad about not standing up for Radiohead. <laughs> so I got. So you want to go on Patreon and like give a Radiohead spiel? Okay. Yeah, I do. Yeah. All right, we'll get you. That's... We'll get you. We'll get your security sorted out as yeah. soon as possible. And thanks for everybody who is joining and becoming part yeah, of the team. Appreciate it's really, it. As you know, it's the only thing that we've got right now for. Uh, for to support this podcast and it's really helpful so yeah thanks a lot you should take this year with your funny christmas cards you should dress your kids up like oliver twist or something (laughs) just to plead with little aluminum cups (laughs) cheese for the cheeseless please please give some patreon money to my dear papa Let's do it. All we have right. cute kids. We could we could tug on we some do. heartstrings. Here. We could definitely get some like probably get some people that are completely not interested in anything else we're doing. Yeah. <laughs> if I could get my kid to wear something like that and say cheese for the cheeseless, <laughs> we'll be rolling in it. Rolling <laughs> it's mean, in it, dude. Go for it. Yeah. This is fun. <laughs> All right. Well, thanks for listening. Next week is awesome. I'm excited about posting that episode and. uh Yeah, appreciate it. We'll see you soon. Bye.